Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, we are going to talk about how prayer is the way to win the battlefield of the mind. And uh, we are still on part one. It was the remainder of the sermon from last Wednesday. And I'm just going to go ahead and read. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If you look up that word uh, always in the Greek, it means always. Okay? All right. So, again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, treat people well. Be kind to people because God is coming back. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to god and the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in jesus christ let's pray together father in the name of jesus we thank you that your word promises us peace as long as we pray father i thank you for the promise but i also am encouraged by the premise the premise god is prayer the promise is peace If I pray, if I come to you, God, and if I lay all of my burdens down at your feet, you've promised my heart and my mind peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And Father, that is how the battle of the mind is won. And we thank you for that revelation tonight. We give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. There is a brand new field called neurotheology. In other words, there are doctors now that are embracing the idea that prayer actually heals. And so they've brought together brain surgeons and they've actually done studies on people that have prayed and watched what prayer has actually done to the brain, to the physical brain. And here is the study. There's a whole paper out. It just came out this year. Engaging in just 12 minutes of prayer a day has a profound impact on the brain. It says this, prayer releases oxytocin. Now that's oxytocin is the happy hormone, okay? Um, And then serotonin, serotonin, that is the calm and that is the contentment uh, hormone. It strengthens a unique neural circuit that specifically enhances our social awareness. In other words, we have empathy towards people. We begin to love people. We begin to care about people again, right? We move from being jaded right over here into the world of actually giving a care about somebody other than ourselves, right? It helps us to love our neighbor. And these are, this is a secular study. This, is not a, this isn't done by Christians. And so they've named this brand new uh, field actually neurotheology. In other words, they're studying how God, that's the theology part, how God can impact the brain through prayer. And I think tonight we need to count the cost of a prayerless life. What are some of the costs that we pay in a prayerless life? We take take an inventory, and I want to teach maybe how we might be able to take that inventory very practically and specifically. Look at a promise that is in the Word of God. Find any promise that is in the Word of God. If that promise is not evident in your life, that reason is because there's a lack of prayer. I'm going to say it again. When you read a promise in the Word of God and you don't see that promise evident whatsoever in your life, the reason is probably from a lack of prayer in that area. 
In other words, we want the promises of God. We just don't want to pray the promises of God. How many of you know I've taught that in here, that we don't pray our boo-boos. We pray God's blessings and promises, right? right? We want to speak to God in faith, right? And so God wants to hear what we're going through. But even more than that, God wants to hear that we believe him and that he has a promise in his word that we're standing on and believing him for. And so a great way to take an inventory of where you need to be praying are the areas of your life where you don't see a promise of God evident. And I'm here with all my friends. Amen. Amen. Yeah, great, great. So I want to give you a couple examples in scriptures of what this, this looks like, okay? If there is some area of lack in your life, there may be some area, I said maybe, there may be some area of prayerlessness in your life. Some area of lack, some area then of prayerlessness. So that's the mind's constant worry and anxiety for resources. Now, I know you don't ever worry about resources, it's just me. I know you never get anxious about a bill, it's just me, right? So we'll just pick on me, all right? There are times that I have to go to God in prayer and I have to say, God, listen, this is a, this is a situation that I'm going to need you to take care of because I can't do it on my own. And every time I have, I've seen God show up miraculously and do it. But it's almost like I wait until the 1159th moment before I tell God that, hey, I need your help here, right? What does James chapter 4 verse 2 say? James 4 2 says this. It says that you have not because you ask not. So I want you to see there, there is lack because you're not asking. The implication there is you have not because you're not asking. You see that? Now, a moment ago, you were testing me a little bit in your mind. You were thinking, can it be true? Can lack be in my life because of my prayerlessness? Well, James chapter 4, verse 2 says, yes, you don't have something in your life that God wants you to have because you're not asking God. All right. So in another area might be temptation. And that is the result of prayerlessness, too. The mind's fight with temptation is a result of not connecting with the grace of God and connecting with the power of God to resist that temptation. And Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, he said, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Have you ever stopped and looked at that for a second and thought, wait a minute, God wants me to actually pray so that I won't ever have to fight the battle in the first place. Most of the time we think of prayer this way. We think of prayer in the sense of reacting to whatever we're in the middle of. This is not a reactive mode of scripture here. This is a proactive okay, position. In other words, Jesus is saying, pray that you won't ever be tempted in that area or pray against a moment of temptation in that area. All right. He says, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What's the implication there for your notes? This is very, very important. The implication is this. If I am prayerless, in my life, I will face temptation that I may not have grace for. In other words, if I'm prayerless, I'm creating a battle that I didn't need to fight in the first place. Another way to put it is, if I'm prayerless, I actually attracted a situation into my life that was completely unnecessary. So in other words, the devil goes, hey boys, go get him. He ain't prayed in four weeks. That's an easy target. If you could see it from that point of view, the reason why sometimes you're fighting some battles that are completely unnecessary are because you haven't, you haven't prayed. 
And so that battle occurs in your mind because there isn't a fullness in your mind. And we'll get to this in a little bit. Your mind isn't full in the, in the first place. I've told you before, it's like going grocery shopping hungry. That cart's going to get filled with everything you don't need. Right? Come on. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about how to have that prayerful preparation in your mind. And I want to give you a kind of what that looks like. There was a book I read years ago um, by Sung Tzu, The Art of War. Um, it's not a Christian book, and, and, and don't throw tomatoes at me. You know, there are some books that have some truths in them, right? We know that the Bible is the absolute truth, but Sung Tzu, in The Art of War, he was a general that uh, for 40 years had never lost a war, a Chinese general, never lost a war, not one. And in The Art of War, Sung Tzu said this, Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first, only seeking to win. What did he mean? He was saying, if you'll prepare yourself as a soldier, then every battle is then won in the preparation and in the mind before the battle is ever fought out here on the battleground. So he was a master at being prepared. I've said before, you, 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 you would rather sweat in preparation than to bleed in battle. And some battles you'll never have to fight because you're so prepared and so on the same page with Jesus that when the devil comes up to tempt you, he goes, I, I ain't even going to, boys, we're too busy for that one. Come on. You see what I'm saying? You, you, you've gotten yourself to a place where you're on the same page and in sync with the mind of Christ that the enemy comes and goes, there's just too much Jesus in that one, boys. Let, we better go down the road. Amen? Oh, man, my peanut butter and jelly sandwich is sliding. I'm going to use that tonight. Yeah. So what does he mean by prepar preparation? What does pastor mean by that? Here we go. The first one is this. Prayerful preparation is this. It's growing before you're going. You want to grow before you go. You would be surprised how many people come up and they tell me, that God has told them something for their life. They've got a dream. They've got a vision. How many of you know that's important? Yeah. Yeah, hold on tight to that. Don't ever give that up. But the first question you need to ask yourself is, are you prepared? <laughs> are you prepared in your mind and in your spirit for where you're going and what you're going to do? So we want to grow before we go. Is there any training that I need? Do I need to, do I need to be closer to God? What is God speaking to me? I tell a lot of people that want to be in the full-time ministry that you're already in the full-time ministry. And they go, no, I'm not. I want to do full-time ministry. You're already in the full-time ministry. Well, I want to do more of what you're doing in the full-time ministry. Okay. Well, then everything you go through every day at the factory, make that a sermon. That's gold. What you go through with people, what you're experiencing with people, wherever it is you're at, make that a sermon. Go home at the end of that day, maybe at the end of the week, and write a message on what you learned at the factory and what God did in the factory. Are you hearing me tonight? Yeah. So you, so you want to you grow before you go. And the next one in prayerful planning, first one is prayerful preparation, but the next one is prayerful planning. You want to know before you go, what are some of the things that God wants to teach you and grow you in, in your mind? What are some of the things that God wants to give you revelation for so that by the time you get there, you know what you're supposed to be doing with excellence. How many of you know we serve an excellent God? Amen. Is he a king? Yes. Then he's our excellency. So then God deserves excellence, right? God doesn't deserve our B-sides. God doesn't deserve our leftovers. 
I hate leftovers. Cook a meal one time. Come on. Hello, man. My wife the other night knocked my socks off. I was telling Ron about it today. We were at the hospital. He says, hey, how you been eating, Pastor? I said, I've been eating good. Come home the other day. My wife had chicken in the frying pan and had mashed potatoes, gravy, and uh, uh, little mushrooms. And I don't know what those things were, but they taste good. And, and uh, uh, asparagus. And there was all kinds of food. I was in hog heaven, man. Right? Come on. She had prepared all that. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Man, that's awesome. You know, I'm, I praise God I got a woman that can cook. Come on. Hallelujah. It's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So you want to know before you go, you want to be prepared. You want to be ready. You know, you want to be full. Uh, you want to have a meal with the Lord. You know, you want to spend some time with the Lord and be full of the Lord before you go out. Here's the next one. Prayerful action. Go, but go slow. Oh, man, I just can't wait to do this or, and I, I can't wait to do that. And I get my mind all fixed on something. And I, I just feel like it's got to happen yesterday. Well, here's the problem with that, okay? Um, God wants it done, but when God tells you something, His Word is always early. God's Word is always early. R- read your Bible. Every time God sp- speaks through a prophet, it's always early, right? So that the people of God and the leadership of God can be right on time, right? Bible says in Amos that God does no thing without first telling His prophets, So God would tell his prophets, well, as soon as the prophets knew it wasn't going to happen in Israel, it happened, but it took some time. How about Jeremiah 29, 11? Everybody's putting that on their coffee cup and pencils. And I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not uh, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Great. That was for their children 70 years later. That wasn't actually to them. You understand that. So every time you're quoting that, you're really quoting that for whoever's coming after you, right? Because that was it, because the rest of the text says, in the meantime, build houses, get married, have children, plant vineyards. In the meantime, while you wait. And it was 70 years later that they came out of captivity and their kids experienced what God had said. God's word is always early. So as you're going into what God's calling you to do, you want to go in slow. You want to take slow steps. Some of your steps, as you're taking them in faith, you might need to back up a little bit and say, wait a minute, that's not, that's, I'm not feeling that's part of what God called me to. I need to step back a little bit. Well, if you run too fast, guess what? Put the brakes on, you're going to fall, right? So you want to go slow, but definitely go. Step out in faith and go. Has anybody ever heard of the Rube Goldberg machine? Everybody, anybody ever heard of a Rube? Come on, aren't those cool? Anybody been to a museum and seen one of these things go? Imagine this, you want to, uh, you want to, at the other end of a room, you want to see a little, uh, a little flag come down from a pole. But over here on this end of the room, you've got a contraption that you've made, right? Where it starts out with a little pinball and it, go, it rolls down this little roller coaster and it hits a cup and the cup falls over and then this feather floats down. And then the feather floats down and it turns the page of a book. And then when it turns the page of the book, right, the book page turns like this. And then a little string goes like this with a paper clip on the other end. Come on into the theater of my mind. And then it goes over to here and somehow that kicks over uh, 20 dominoes that spread out like this. And then at the end of the 20 dominoes spreading out at the other end, there's a bowling ball and the bowling ball starts rolling and it starts knocking over cardboard boxes and everything else gets all the way to the end and a little flag drops down right? You think, 
you think just setting up dominoes is a big deal. The Rube Goldberg machines, those are a big deal. In Chicago, they got a thing called the Science and Industry, and they've got the world's largest in Chicago. And as a kid, I would go in and I'd see this, and I'd be like, that's so cool. And it would take like an hour and a half to watch it every time it would reset. And you're saying, Pastor, I don't care. That it, 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 it doesn't matter to my at all. But I want you to see the steps of a righteous man are ordered. The Bible says they're what? Ordered. ordered. So you go slow and, and you're going slow as you go. And the next step you take, you got to understand God has lined up all kinds of things and people in front of you that need to connect with you and his will. And if you go running after it hard, right, and you don't go slow and prayerfully, your mind won't be ready for some of the things that you'll encounter and the flag isn't coming down. Because all of these things are ordered by God. Now, mean that if you make a mistake it's all over all right but what it does mean is, is that when you do feel like you're in area you back up and you pray you reset your mind you get your mind on the same page as jesus how do you do that how do you do that jesus made it very very simple he says ask seek and knock now that's not multiple choice some of you are great askers, but you're not great seekers. And some of us are great seekers, but we're not great knockers. Come on. We're not door knockers. We don't want to knock on doors. And we don't want to seek. We just want to ask. And Jesus said, it's going to take all three. In your prayer life, each of these are prayerful. The asking is verbal. That's your verbal prayer time with God. But your seeking is actually praying as you go. Your action. You know? And it includes your mind. What are some of the things I need to seek out? What are some of the things that I need to study? What are some of the things? Make a prayerful list. What are some of the things that, God, you want me to, to learn and grow in and understand before I go do this? You know, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to pick on Jennifer, but Jennifer, Jennifer right now is in the Berean pro program. And she's studying to be an Assembly of God minister. Okay? And she's taking notes over here like crazy. Thank you. God bless you for that. That's awesome. But you know, there's things that she has to, right now, she has to think right now, God, I need to be prayerful in my mind. What are the things that I need to understand and learn and grow in and know so that by the time I get to the other end of the room, right, I'm where I need to be. And then the last one is knocking and knocking moves beyond the verbal in the mind that moves into physical movement. Did you know that if you pray for a job and then if you send out a resume did you know you should also knock on a door or, or, or make a phone call? And, 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 and here's what happens. There's a, there's a fear of rejection. And that's part of the battlefield that goes on in your mind. There's a fear of rejection that comes from the end that says, you know, they're going to say no to you anyway. They don't want you anyway. But unless you're willing to step out by faith and knock on that door too, you may not see your prayer answered. Maybe God answered it. Maybe God had it all ready for you, but you never opened up the gift. You didn't show up to the birthday party, right? There was even cake. Come on, church. There was, there was chocolate in, there, there was chocolate and vanilla cake with great icing. You know, you asked for it. Come on. And, and, and listen, you, you began to seek it. You began to understand what it is you needed, right? And how to grow. But then you didn't show up to the party. I call it the, the spirit of show up. 
Some of you, some of you understand the spirit of, of shut up. I'm not talking about shut up. I'm talking about show up. You, you understand? You know, why I'm, you know why I'm pastor and preaching today? I just start showing up to church. I don't think you understand. I wasn't born with it. Yeah. I wasn't born with a Bible in my hand. And yeah. I just start showing up to church. Oh, you need that done? Oh, you need that done? You need that done? And then before I knew it, I was a youth pastor. And I'm like, what am I doing? As a, I didn't put, did I plan on it? No, I just kept showing up to stuff. Yeah, right? So, so then the doors began to open. So here's what Paul says. We're going to wrap this up and make it very, very practical. After we see that we need to be verbal and include our minds and be move, in movement in our prayer, Paul says this in Philippians 4.4. 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So in other words, and we've been talking about rejoice lately. What, what is rejoice? It's joy, not recycled, but joy again. Joy again. The re part means repeat, right? So God has given you joy. Somebody says, well, I lost my joy. You can't lose your joy because the joy is from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Have you lost the Lord? You see, you haven't lost joy. You just lost your mind. Listen carefully. That's not what you've lost. The joy hasn't. Listen, people say, well, I lost my peace. You have not lost your peace. Peace is a person, not a what, it's a who. Prince of peace. His name is Jesus, right? Have you lost Jesus? No, you have not lost Jesus. You have lost your mind. So all you need to do is get your mind renewed and back on the same page as Jesus. Is this too much? Are you okay? And some of you, you're like, I'm going to say that anyway. Well, you go right ahead. I don't care. You go right ahead. It just ain't right. It ain't true. I just want to tell people I lost my joy. Well, tell them all you want. Maybe you're right. You lost your joy. But you ain't lost Jesus. <laughs> and he, the joy of the Lord, it's not from you. If the Lord's with you, you got joy. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. How, how, how often is always? Always. All the time. All the time. So, yes, in the Greek, always means always. He says, again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for what? Were you anxious for today? No, no? I, I had a little bit. I had a little bit. I had I had uh, four people to see today that was in different places across the county. And I was anxious that I wouldn't make it to each place in time. You know, why should I be anxious? God's already lived this day out before I was even born. He's already planned this day out. He's already lined up the, the pinball and the, <laughs> and the bowling ball. Right. All I got to do is just keep moving forward. Amen. So be anxious for nothing. Now, I can tell you that 100 percent of the time <laughs> I've been anxious for 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 nothing because being anxious comes to nothing. Be to nothing. Does it do it? Does it do anything? It's like being in a rocking chair, moving back and forth. You worry back and forth. OK, you're doing a whole lot of rocking back and forth, but you ain't going anywhere. Nothing's going to change. As long as you're that way. So Paul says, don't be anxious for anything. And by the way, can I remind you that he's in prison when he's writing this? Okay. So he says, but in everything with prayer and supplication, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you uh, understand how this helps your brain and your mind here. Okay. So he mentions prayer and he mentions supplication, but he says, be offer thanksgiving in both. Okay, what is prayer? There's there's four types that, that I know of in scripture. There might be more, but there's four types. Okay, there there's the uh, 
There's the prayer of uh, repentance. All right. That's prayer. All right. Then there's making a request in prayer. Then there's the prayer of praise to God or worship to God. That's prayer too. Okay. And then there's the prayer of intercession when you pray for somebody else. All right. You got that's that's not too bad. Right. So the, Paul says, hey, if, if you're anxious about anything, you need to be praying. But he says, not just praying. He says, with thanksgiving. Right? So, so uh, thanksgiving is not one day of the year. Right? Spiritually, you need to be living your life in such a way that every time you pray, even when it's the absolute worst, how about this? Even when you know you've sinned and you feel a lot of guilt and shame, you still add thanksgiving. You still come to God with thanks. God, I'm so thankful that your son paid for this and overpaid, that his blood trumps anything I've done. And I give you praise. Now I'm moving into the prayer of praise, right? Okay, so what's supplication? Are you with me? I don't know. I'm wondering. Here's what supplication is. Supplication is to, to kneel in prayer. It means, to, it means to pray at a desperate situation. It means when you're at the end of your rope, that's when supplication kicks in. It's a different type of praying. And I don't have to tell you that it's different. Because if you've ever had a desperate moment, you pray different. It's not just a, you know, (laughs) rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. I mean, when you're in the middle of a crisis, you're, you're praying the prayer of supplication. That's what you're doing. You're on your knees. Right. And I'm not I'm not directing this towards begging God, because, listen, you have a God that loves you and you're his child. Children don't beg. Royal children don't beg. But we still in that desperate moment say, God, I'm out of gas. I'm at zero. There's nothing else I can do. God, I need you. Right. That's the prayer of supplication. And so before you go thinking, what's the what's the big deal about supplication? Let let me just tell you this that Jesus actually, in one chapter, gave us an example of supplication and showed us how that supplication takes us to a place where, where God does the miraculous. In just one chapter, there was a, a man that came. His boy was uh, the demoniac. His boy was uh, possessed. He came to Jesus, and he, it was supplication. He came to Jesus and got on his knees. Another person in the same chapter came to Jesus and was blind, came to Jesus on their knees. Another person came to Jesus and was in a dire straits with paying their taxes and what they needed to do next. Each and every one of those situations, God immediately answered the prayer. So supplication actually gets God's attention. It gets God's attention. All right. And so we might say, what happens when we get God's attention with that kind of prayer and and supplication and thanksgiving, making our requests known to God? Our thoughts become like God's thoughts. And this is where I'm going to land the plane tonight for us. Our thoughts become like God's thoughts. Now, Now, I want to teach something here. You aren't always on the same page as God. And I'm not either. That is 99% of the problem. I'm going to wait for Salah. I'm telling you, 99% of the problem is not being 